Hello, and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday, 25th of March, 2023. This is Jeremy, and your other readers are Pam and Eleanor, who is also editor this week. All are members of Team One. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless stated otherwise. This week's headlines. Going for gold. Hemel Pub wins half of Campaign for Real Ale awards. And Hemel Storm basketball team on the verge of glory. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Pam. Inspirational gymnastics gold medalist Ondine Achimpong has returned to the Hemel Hempstead School to open its new sports hall. Last Friday, Ondine, who won gold with the England gymnastics team at the 2022 Commonwealth Games, returned to the Hemel Hempstead School to officially open the new facility. Ondine studied at the school, including achieving outstanding grades in her A-level exams whilst training for the Games. At the event, attended by staff and students from the basketball club, Ondine said, I'm really honoured to have been asked to open the new sports hall, especially after attending the Hemel Hempstead School for seven years and going to PE lessons every week for most of that time. I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone at the Hemel Hempstead School who has supported me through my time here, because without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. Head teacher Neil Hassell said, We are incredibly proud of Ondine and all her fantastic achievements at the World, Commonwealth and European Championships. She is an inspiration to students across the school. Hard work, determination and ambition can lead to huge success in gymnastics and in A-levels, whilst also being a kind, caring and wonderful person too. The sports hall has become an invaluable resource in the community, hosting many outside organisations, including Storm Basketball Club and K Gymnastics. Ondine is a British artistic gymnast who was part of the women's team that won silver at the 2022 World Championships. She won a gold medal with the England team at the 2022 Commonwealth Games and individually Achimpong won silver medals in the all-round and on floor exercise. She is the 2022 European team and balance beam silver medalist. She is the 2021 British all-round champion and the 2022 British all-around silver medalist. As a junior, Achimpong is the 2019 European Youth Olympic Festival champion on the balance beam and silver medalist in the all-around. She is also the 2019 British junior all-around champion. She won a bronze medal with the British team at the 2018 Junior European Championships. Hello, this is Eleanor. A pub in Hemel won half of the awards as the Mid-Chiltern's Campaign for Real Ale has announced its Pub of the Year awards for 2023. Monks Inn, in Hemel's Market Square, took a sweep in the commendations with landlord Clint Whittaker and his team taking half of the awards up for grabs. Monks Inn has been named the Mid-Chiltern's Community Pub of the Year for 2023. 
the local camera branch citing Clint and his team's efforts in fundraising and further community outreach. Charity efforts at Monk's Inn have included fundraising motorcycle rides, collections of aid resources for Ukrainian refugees and free meals cooked for those who need on Christmas Day. Monk's Inn have also been commended as runner-up pub of the year and runner-up cider pub of the year, adding to an already burgeoning awards wall which has been built over their modest four-year timeline. The Rising Sun in Berkhamsted was named Champion Cider Pub for its incredible offering of close to 20 real ciders and perries, dispensed with knowledge and passion at the scenic canal side establishment. The George Ale House in Great Missenden took two top spot as overall champion pub of the year, with the local camera branch singing praises of the Bucks pub in its cask beer cellaring and live music efforts. Other awards, including Best Improved Pub, given to the Boot and Slipper in Amersham, and a recognition of long service and dedication commended to Chipran Chippy Cheslow. Chippy was nominated for his brilliant hospitality and management at the Checkers Inn in Amersham, spanning 20 years behind the bar in Buckinghamshire. Jared Ward, Camera Branch Chairman, said, Congratulations to all of our winners, including both amazing establishments from the decorum area. Monk's Inn in Hemel Hempstead is a magnet for camera awards, never short of local acclaim, and is also going the extra mile in terms of community outreach and hospitality. Congratulations to Clint and his team in the Market Square. The Rising Sun in Berkhamsted could well be in the top 10 cider pubs in the country, though we find ourselves miles away from the cider territories of Gloucestershire, Herefordshire and Somerset, the Riser brings their superstar ciders and perries to our very grateful doorstep. 20 real cider and perries is an incredible number for any establishment to boast. Well done to Nigel, Mark and his fantastic team. Monks Inn landlord Clint said, It's been one hell of a year with energy costs. The cost of living in general and a whole lot more to boot. Through all of this, we've come out with three awards. It was our family of drinkers who won the Community Pub of the Year Award, collecting 35 tonnes of aid for Ukrainian refugees, raising vital funds for a Salvation Army Christmas Day lunch and the regular bike rides of decorum motorcycle riders who have championed Watford Hospital. I love our community and we're thrilled to be commended with yet more camera awards. A spokesman added, Congratulations to all of the award-winning local establishments. Cheers to your local camera champions. In basketball, Hemel Storm moved one step closer to becoming league champions with a 103-95 point victory over bottom of the league Westminster Warriors although they were made to work to maintain their 100% record. League positions went completely out of the window as the Warriors pushed Storm to the final buzzer. Despite leading for the majority of the game, Westminster were not able to hold on to their lead, with Storm showing the character to secure the victory. 
Storm started the first quarter looking to gain a good lead with a lot of the points coming from fast breaks. Warriors were able to respond, shooting well against the strong Storm defence. The first quarter was also very physical, with some players becoming frustrated at the lack of fouls called when shooting. Warriors thrived off this and were able to take a 26 to 25 point lead going into the second quarter. The second quarter was another frustrating quarter from a Storm perspective, with the lack of execution of plays allowing Warriors to extend their lead further to 52 points to 45. It was vital that Storm were to have a good start to the third quarter in order to gain momentum back and did so, playing with more intensity and passing the ball to the open shooters. They reduced the deficit to a one-possession game before some brilliant three-pointers from Westminster extended their lead. Storm were chasing the game and had to be patient and use their skill in order to limit the Warriors, who still led 78 to 75 points going into the fourth. Two three-pointers from captain Teo Ayufusi gave Storm the lead and they used their expertise and resilience to keep going throughout the last few minutes to secure a crucial victory. This victory takes Storm to 23 victories without loss league record, and they are now one win away from securing their first ever DBL Division I league title. They have the, ch the chance to do so on Saturday away to Team Newcastle University and return the following week to host Team Solent Kestrels on Saturday 1st of April at 7pm, followed by hosting Worthing Thunder the following day at 5pm. Top scorers against Westminster Warriors were Taylor Johnson, 30 points, Hakim Silla, 25 points, and Irene Rye, 20 points. This Week in History March the 22nd, 1907, the first cabs with taxi meters began operating in London. March the 23rd, 1966, the first official meeting for 400 years between the Catholic and the Anglican churches took place in Rome between Pope Paul VI and Dr. Ramsey, the Archbishop of Canterbury. March the 24th, 1944, the breakout of prisoner of war camp Stalag Luft III by 76 inmates began. The event was the inspiration for the movie The Great Escape. On this day last year, Ellie Goulding joined wildlife charity WWF as an ambassador in order to speak up for our extraordinary planet. March the 25th, 1957, six nations West Germany, France, Italy, Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg signed the Treaty of Rome to create the European Economic Community. March the 26th, 1937, Popeye the Sailor Man became the first cartoon character to have his statue erected by spinach growers in Crystal City, Texas. On this day last year, Taylor Hawkins, drummer of rock band The Foo Fighters, died, the band announced. March the 27th, 1945, the last of more than a thousand V2 bombs dropped on Britain landed at Alpington, Kent. 
And on this day last year, Will Smith shocked the world by slapping comedian Chris Rock during the 94th Academy Awards. A dog that volunteers for the Hertfordshire Constabulary won an award at Crufts 2023. At the world-famous canine showcase, Hugo was named best boy in the Norfolk Terrier postgraduate dog class. Hugo has been volunteering to assist the police via the Constabulary's Rap Paw scheme, which sees trained dog owners and their pooches support vulnerable victims and witnesses. They also help out officers and staff within the force. Hugo was named a champion on Saturday, March the 11th, the second day of the three-day exhibition. He was competing under the name Watercroft Mark I. The Society Volunteer PC Joe Healy, who owns Hugo with retired police officer Dee Rayner, said, Since starting his work 14 months ago, Hugo has been a hit with everyone he meets. This was his first time competing at Crufts, so is so proud to walk away with the best boy title, which is so fitting for him. After the formalities of the competition were over, he was straight back to enjoying cuddles with everyone he met at the show before heading home for a well-earned rest. Since being launched in 2016, Rap Boar has enabled officers to build trust with victims through pet therapy. It has also helped when dealing with vulnerable witnesses, including children and the elderly. They also assist new recruits in their training through role-play scenarios and conduct speed awareness operations across the county. Previously, the police force has stated it, it had nearly 300 volunteers participating in the support scheme. Hemel Hempstead MP Sir Mike Penning has backed a hunting trophies import ban as the bill passes in the House of Commons. Sir Mike spoke in the third reading debate in support of the Hope Hunting Trophies Import Prohibition Bill, which has now passed all stages in the House of Commons. The MP has long supported a ban on so-called hunting trophies being allowed into this country, and in November last year, he tabled an early-day motion on the issue which attracted the signatures of 70 MPs. Speaking in the debate, to counter concerns raised by some people that this bill was colonial and we were telling African countries how to manage and conserve their wildlife, Sir Mike said, There's been a lot of false information out there. This is about our territory. This is not telling other countries what to do. This is not colonial. This is actually saying this is what we want to allow into our country. It is entirely up to other countries what they want to do. But this is about us and this house. Speaking afterwards, he added, Today is a good day and one we've been waiting a long time for. I have been opposed to trophy hunting ever since I was in the army as a young soldier posted to Kenya and where I was lucky enough to go and visit the Aberdeen National Park, a most beautiful place. Kenya banned trophy hunting in the 1970s and is a great conservation success story. These trophy hunters are not hunters. They pay for the bragging rights and a head on the wall. Often, 
In an effort to preserve the head intact, the animal is not killed at the first shot, but is left to die a slow death. It is horrific, sad, and pointless. It is particularly concerning that the most popular African animals shot by British trophy hunters include elephants that are classed as endangered, as well as lions, hippos, zebra and leopards that are all classed as vulnerable. I am delighted that this bill is progressing and am optimistic that it will become law very soon. Two new police community support officers will be patrolling Hemel Hempstead after they passed an eight-week training programme. They are among 13 new hires announced by Hertfordshire Constabulary on 14th of March. The new hires are representative of a national campaign led by the government to get more people joining police forces across the country. PCSOs are dispatched to offer a reassuring presence to the public and help prevent crime and antisocial behaviour. Among the new recruits are a laboratory manager, SEN teacher, sports therapist, catering manager, receptionist and security guard. They were formally designated into their roles at a special ceremony at police headquarters in Welling Garden City on Friday 3rd of March. Chief Constable Charlie Hall congratulated them on successfully passing the eight-week initial PCSO programme and presented them with certificates to mark their achievement. He said, We recently celebrated 20 years of PCSOs in Hertfordshire and I am delighted that you have reached this point. It's a great job with a great team and I know you will make a positive difference getting to know communities building relationships with people, shops and businesses, bringing your experiences and skills from other jobs to this new role, helping to keep Hertfordshire safe. The most important thing we can do is prevent people from coming to harm and prevent them from becoming victims. This is a key part of your role working in our neighbourhood teams. PCSO Samantha, who will be based in Abbots Langley, said... I decided I needed a career change after 28 years in the catering industry. It was not fulfilling my needs or challenging me. I like to help and talk to people in all walks of life. This role seemed perfect with my life experiences and I felt I could make a difference whilst helping the community and the police. Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd added, it is great to see new PCSOs joining the constabulary. They do a tremendous job and are a vital part of the neighbourhood policing model. In recent years, many of our previous PCSOs have gone on to become police officers as part of creating Hertfordshire's largest ever police force. I remain committed to maintaining a strong PCSO presence across the county. The PCSOs now start their first postings, with two officers based in Abbots Langley, two in Hemel Hempstead, two in Hatfield South, two in Ware, two in Watford, one in Stevenage, one in Bushy and one in Chessant. Jade, who will be based in Chessant, said, I joined because I really want to help make a difference in the community. I believe that people benefit from seeing an on-foot community officer out and about. I believe this makes people feel safer and I hope they will feel comfortable to approach officers if they had an issue or just for a chat.
Census figures show a staggering proportion of decorum residents are economically inactive. A third of decorum residents were not earning in 2021, new census figures show. The Resolution Foundation said rising numbers of people in economic inactivity must be addressed, as Treasurer Jeremy Hunt aimed to get people back to work with his spring budget this week. Census figures from the Office for National Statistics show nearly 43,000 residents in decorum were economically inactive between March the 15th and 22nd, 2021. An economically inactive person is aged 16 and over and did not have a job in that time period, could not start work in the next two weeks or had not looked for work in the month before. It meant 34.7% of over 16s in the area were economically inactive. Louise Murphy, economist at the Resolution Foundation, said levels of inactivity vary significantly across the UK and tend to be highest in places where the population is older and where long-term illness is widespread, such as deprived ex-industrial areas. Economic inactivity is also concentrated in low-income households. One in three adults in the poorest tenth of households have a disability, compared to fewer than one in ten adults among the richest families. The right approach to boosting workforce participation should therefore focus both on tackling place-based inequalities as well as raising living standards for the poorest families. Amanda Walters, director of the Safe Sick Pay campaign, highlighted rising numbers of people not working due to long-term sickness or disability. Help from the government to support these people back into work will be very welcome, but people fear what happens if they get ill again, she added. The back-to-work budget had the right focus, but it was an own goal from the Chancellor not to make sick pay available for everyone from the first day of illness. The census figures show 3,625 decorum residents were not working or looking for work due to long-term sickness or disability in March 2021. A further 25,360 had retired. It meant long-term sickness or disability accounted for 8.4% of the economically inactive people in the area, while 59% were retired. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt said he will deliver growth with his back-to-work budget, removing obstacles that stop businesses investing, tackling labour shortages that stop them recruiting, and by breaking down barriers that stop people working. Mr Hunt added that he will encourage the long-term sick and disabled into work, including announcing the Universal Support Programme, a voluntary employment scheme for disabled people where the government will spend up to £4,000 per person to help them find appropriate jobs. Volunteers from the black community were invited to scrutinise and give feedback on policing in the county as Hertfordshire Constabulary held its first race inclusion board meeting. After a police appeal for participants, 13 residents agreed to take part 
in the Race Inclusion Board. Hertfordshire Constabulary believes it is the first meeting of its kind to take place in the country. It is hoped, by getting an outside perspective on policing, that the service provided can be improved for everyone. It was held at the police headquarters in Welland Garden City, where, on this occasion, police use of stop and search was the subject of discussion. Presentations were given on the laws and other considerations that underpin its use by officers. Also, information was given on how supervisors review all the stops and the independent stop and search scrutiny panel works to check how they were conducted, even viewing body-worn camera footage. Volunteers gave their views on the controversial police practice speaking to both senior and frontline police officers, including the impact it has on the community. Hertfordshire Constabulary set up the meeting as part of its commitment to the National Police Race Action Plan. A strategy has been launched to address race disparities affecting black people and change a legacy of distrust. The plan seeks to create an anti-racist culture and values and behaviours within policing. It is hoped that this will help improve relations between police forces and minority groups throughout the country. Superintendent Nev Hanks, the force's strategic lead for race, said, I would like to thank the board members for their time. We have set our stall out to become an anti-racist organisation and a key part of that is having voices from the black community heard on challenging issues like stop and search. Understanding alternative perspectives on police tactics is the only way we can improve the service we provide for the whole community. In the coming meetings, we will also be looking at how we can better protect black victims of crime, improve black representation in our workforce, and ensure we gauge effect, engage effectively with the black community in Hertfordshire. Old MacDonald had a farm. Now the Marlows is about to get in on the act as well. On Wednesday 5th of April, between 11am and 4pm, the Hemel Hempstead Shopping Centre will welcome its very own mini farm, complete with a variety of furry animals. And the Marlowe's Shopping Centre, which is located in the heart of Hemel, is inviting families to take part in what is a free Easter fun day. Children can get up close and personal and enjoy stroking the friendly creatures, which are set to include, subject to availability, Shetland ponies, sheep, rabbits, guinea pigs and more. There will be an Easter trail held around the centre where families will be able to complete the challenge in exchange for a tasty treat at the end. There may even be an appearance from the Easter bunny, so guests are encouraged to keep an eye out. In addition, there will also be face painters on hand to transform little ones into their favourite characters and creatures, all included within the free event. All activities will be held within Centre Court, except for the mini farm, which is due to be held opposite shoe store Dykeman. Humphrey Muanza, Centre Manager at the Marlowe's Shopping Centre, said... We are so excited to welcome our shoppers to our Easter fun day on Wednesday 5th of April. 
we appreciate that keeping children entertained through, through the school holidays can be challenging, so we are glad to be hosting this free event for all to enjoy. Come along and snap a photo with your favourite animals and take on the fantastic Easter Trail. We can't wait to see you there. For further details on events at the Hemel Shopping Centre, visit the Marlowe's website at themarlows.co.uk. Hemel Hempstead residents can watch a live stream of King Charles III's coronation at a party in a park. Decorum Borough Council has set up a weekend of free events and activities to celebrate the occasion. First, King Charles' ceremony will be broadcast on a big screen in Gaybridge Park. Accompanying the cinema-style screening will be coronation-themed arts and crafts, a mini petting zoo, face painting, fairground rides and crazy golf. There will also be a range of interactive entertainment acts to keep everyone amused, including stilt walkers, balloon modelling and bubble fun. A range of food and drink will be available, provided in partnership with Hemel Old Town Market. On Sunday, 7th of May, the Old Town Market will be open from 11am to 3pm. From around 4pm onwards, there will be family films in the big screen in the park in Gaybridge Park, followed by a live screening of the Coronation Concert from Windsor. A range of food and drink stalls will be available, provided in partnership with Hemel Old Town Market. Exact timings for both events have not been confirmed by the Royal Family yet. Deporum Council has put estimated timings for the celebration on decorum.gov.uk slash home page. These are subject to change. Also, residents across the county have been encouraged to host smaller scale street parties. Residents wishing to have a street party or event on a public road will need to get permission to close the road. Road closures in decorum are processed by Hertfordshire County Council. Councillor Julie Banks says, I'm delighted that we'll be hosting these events for friends and families to celebrate this historic occasion in the beautiful setting of Gaybridge Park. I hope that residents will also take the opportunity to get together with their communities to enjoy street parties over the coronation weekend. J.R.R. Tolkien is most famous for writing The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy, all turned into a successful film franchise by Peter Jackson. Tolkien created an entire world and imbued it with reality, a depth of history, with language, geography, culture that is uniquely magnificent, as well as a wealth of characters that are all human with their relatable personalities and all of this bound up in stories that pit good against evil. Though little beats reading about the adventures of Bilbo Baggins, Frodo, Gandalf, Sauron, Gollum et al, the movies are largely faithful to Tolkien's books. Tolkien Reading Day is held on March 25th each year, as it is the date on which the ring was destroyed, completing Frodo's quest and vanquishing Sauron. What is Tolkien Reading Day? It has been organised by the Tolkien Society since 2003 
to encourage fans to celebrate and promote the life and works of J.R.R. Tolkien by reading favourite passages. How to take part? 1. Schools, universities, libraries and any other establishment can run their own event, seminar or lesson about Tolkien on the reading day. To help with this, the Tolkien Society creates an education resource pack. 2. Share your stories and photos on the Society's Facebook page or by following it on Twitter and using the hashtag Tolkien. 3. Read or listen to the books. Start with The Hobbit and work up to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You can borrow the books from your local library and also listen to the stories via audiobooks. 4. Amazon allows potential buyers to view the first pages of a book. This can be done with a whole host of Tolkien books. Simply locate a copy of the book you wish to read and on the top right corner of the book cover will be the words, Look Inside. If you click on the cover, it will open up the book and you can read a small portion of the text. 5. Watch the movies, available to stream and on DVD. 6. The 21st century has given rise to the podcast. In some podcasts, the hosts read out extracts from Tolkien's texts and discuss them. Perhaps the most well-known is the Prancing Pony podcast. Two others are The Tolkien Professor and The Tolkien Road. Tolkien Gateway and Player FM both provide lists of podcasts and links can be found on their websites. 7. Read J.R.R. Tolkien, a biography by Humphrey Carpenter. 8. Work my precious, Gollum's term of endearment into every sentence. 8. Arrange a call with a friend, and this can be enough to share your favourite passages and thoughts from Tolkien. John Ronald Rawl Tolkien was born in Bloemfontein, South Africa, to Arthur and his wife Mabel Tolkien, nee Suffield. He was the older of two sons. His younger brother, Hilary Arthur Rawl Tolkien, was born in 1894. Many of the places Tolkien encountered in his life inspired the landscapes of his books. The village of Sarden provided the foundation for Hobbiton, Tolkien's aunt's farm was called Bag End. In the books, Bag End was built into the hill by Bungo Baggins, where he went to live with his new wife, Belladonna Took. Tolkien enjoyed a drink and a laugh. On one occasion, he chased a neighbour down the road dressed as an axe-wielding Anglo-Saxon warrior. Tolkien and his wife had an epic love story. Tolkien met Edith Bratt when he was 16 and she 19. Tolkien's guardian disapproved of the relationship and they were separated for three years. Immediately after he turned of age, Tolkien sought Edith out and asked her to marry him. Edith agreed, breaking off a previous engagement. During the First World War, Tolkien signed up and specialised in signalling in order to utilise his penchant for words. He was sent to the front in France in 1916 during the Battle of the Somme. He experienced the horrors of trench warfare firsthand. Tolkien's first civilian job after the war was at the Oxford English Dictionary, 
where he started with research for the etymology of the words warm, wasp, water, wick, and winter. He left in 1920 to pursue his academic career. By 1917, Tolkien had developed Quenya, an elvish language. From it emerged another elvish language that he called Sinadrin. The first line of The Hobbit was written on a blank sheet of an exam paper he was grading. On it he wrote, In a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. A routine health check changed and potentially saved a single mum's life. High blood pressure was diagnosed during Janet Wilkinson's annual asthma review. I went for a yearly asthma review and as part of that I had a test for high blood pressure. That's how I found out, confirmed the 59-year-old. I had no idea it could lead to life-threatening conditions. The doctor explained it to me. Jeanette was prescribed tablets to treat high blood pressure. At that time, she was working full-time as a teacher, bringing up her now-grown-up son on her own. Her weight ballooned, and over time, her blood pressure got higher and medication was increased. She decided to take control of the condition and change her lifestyle. I'm five foot six inches tall and weighed, at my heaviest, 16 and a half stone. In the past few years, through diet and exercise, I have lost six and a half stone, explained the now retired head teacher. For exercise, I walk. I mapped out a three mile route that takes me an hour to complete. I walk anything from every day to once a week. I also changed my diet and now eat more fruit and vegetables. Janet also de-stressed by cutting down internet use and making sure she enjoys what she calls me time. She continued, there are some things you can change, some things you cannot, and you just have to deal with them instead, she said. I look after my parents, who are both in their mid-80s and are in fragile health. I realise when I need a break. Just not. Janet's blood pressure is now where it should be, at 120 over 80. She added, I'm still on medication, but I'm told I may be allowed to come off it. High blood pressure can lead to deadly conditions. It's vital you have it checked. You can have it done at the pharmacist, and it only takes five minutes. Minutes that could save your life, she added. Cardiovascular disease, CVD, is a major killer in England, responsible for one in four deaths across all ages. High blood pressure is the largest known risk factor for CVD. An estimated 12.7 million people in England have high blood pressure. About a third of those do not know they have the condition, as it it rarely has noticeable symptoms. The only way of knowing whether you have high blood pressure is to have a blood pressure test. It is easy and could save your life. Blood pressure tests are available at many pharmacies, GP surgeries, and you can check it yourself with a home blood pressure monitor. As many people struggle to pay their energy bills, a new study suggests two-thirds of Brits 
would introduce eco-friendly measures if it saved them money. Research by the sustainability and money-saving platform Save Money Cut Carbon found 66% of householders would implement more green behaviours to save money, while 45% said the next house they buy will be energy efficient. For a shining example of how to save as much as possible on home energy, look no further than a beautiful and eco-friendly country home in the Hampshire Hills, which is making more energy than it uses. Sustainability guru Martin Evans, a.k.a. Mr. Net Zero, and his wife Ruth have transformed their five-bedroom farmhouse into what could be the UK's most energy-efficient home. When we first completed the house six years ago, we were actually being paid to live here. But energy costs have changed and now it's not quite as good, Evans explains. We weren't trying to be zero cost, we were trying to be net zero carbon, and we achieved that. He estimates that without introducing energy saving and generating measures, including replacing an LPG boiler with a ground source heat pump, installing triple glazed windows, adding external insulation, putting in mechanical ventilation systems, and installing solar panels, the energy costs of the house, including charging the two diesel cars, would have been around £24,000 a year. With the measures, the costs are just £2,400 a year. Doing the right thing pays back quickly, he observes, but you've got to make sure you do things correctly. In summer, the panels generate more energy than the house and cars use, so the couple export the spare energy to the grid. And there are periods in winter when they use more than they generate, so they sometimes import energy. But they use a battery to store summer's spare energy, and in winter they charge the battery on a very cheap overnight energy rate. Our objective was get to get to the point where, in a year, we generate the same amount or more of the energy we use for all the travel and running of the house, he says. In fact, we generate about 30% more energy in a year than the whole of the house and the cars use, so we've become net energy negative. However, Evans, a civil engineer who specialises in low-energy housing and buildings, understands that, particularly during the current cost-of-living crisis, most people don't have the money to invest large amounts in making their home super energy efficient. This story continued. So what can financially strapped homeowners do to ensure their energy costs are as low as possible? Number one, check and install loft insulation. Check how much loft insulation your house has, or get an expert to do this for you. People often don't have much insulation in the loft. It doesn't cost thousands, and it can improve energy efficiency, says Evans. Number two, draft proofing. Feel where heat's escaping through doors and windows, and block gaps. Draft excluders and heavy curtains can also help keep the heat in and the cold out. 
Reducing energy losses through draft-proofing windows and doors is another simple and cheap measure you can undertake, advises Evans. Number three, use LED light bulbs. The Save Money Cut Carbon research found 51% of householders want to swap all traditional light bulbs in their home for LED by the end of the year to reduce energy bills. Evans points out that old-fashioned downlighters are crazy high energy, as are spotlights, which also produce a lot of heat, and stresses using LED light bulbs makes a huge difference. They use a tenth of the energy of a traditional light bulb, so it's definitely worth checking them out. Number four, reduce hot water circulation pump usage. Evans says many houses have a hot water circulation pump which runs continuously, explaining when they're running you've got heat losses from the pipework, so all the time the hot water's circulating you're losing energy for no benefit. He says it's a good idea to only switch the pump on half an hour before it's needed and not to leave it on all the time. Restrict usage so you've got hot water when you need it, but the boiler isn't topping it up all the time, he advises, estimating he's reducing his hot water circulation energy losses by 90%. Number five, reduce water use with aerated showers and taps. Evans points out that while showers use a lot less water than baths, aerated showers only use around a third of the water of a standard shower, although they still feel the same. Cheap screw-in fittings for taps, which will reduce the flow to around a quarter of the normal flow, are also available, he says. The actual experience of washing your hands is really no different. It's just spraying out rather than coming out as a solid stream. If you store hot water at a lower temperature, only circulate it when you need it and restrict the amount of water you draw. All these things can make a significant difference and they're pretty simple to do. That's the nice thing. If you've ever got home from a loud concert, club or sporting event and noticed a high-pitched ringing or whirring sound in your ears, you've experienced tinnitus. Tinnitus is a description, not a diagnosis, says Professor Paul O'Flynn, a consultant ENT surgeon at the Wellington Hospital. While people often describe the sound as ringing in the ears, tinnitus can also present itself through other sounds, including humming, buzzing, hissing or whistling. The sound can come and go and be present in one or both ears, and some people may also experience symptoms such as dizziness or vertigo, but it's not necessarily the sign of a more serious problem. Tinnitus is more frequently experienced by those who have hearing loss or other ear problems, but it can also affect people with normal hearing, says Gordon Harrison, chief audiologist at Specsavers. It's very common and can occur at any age. What is tinnitus caused by? Often no cause for tinnitus can be identified, but it can be linked to some form of hearing loss, such as age-related hearing loss or noise-induced hearing loss, O'Flynn says. In addition to short bouts after being exposed to loud noise, other causes can include anxiety, certain medications, including some chemotherapy medicines or antibiotics, 
and conditions such as diabetes, blood pressure and thyroid disorders. Earwax build-up, ear infections and perforated eardrums can also trigger it. Too much earwax can block the, block the ear canal, preventing normal hearing. Disturb the eardrum and cause tinnitus, Harrison explains. Ear infections, often caused by trapped fluid in the ear following a throat infection, cold or allergies, can muffle sounds and causes tinnitus. When should you seek medical advice for ringing in the ears? Most people will experience it at some point and usually it fades away fairly quickly. In some cases, though, it can be persistent, lasting for more than five minutes or even continuously, says Fares Ashraf, audiologist from Boots Hearing Care. This can lead to disturbed sleep and distracts people from carrying out daily tasks. In this instance, it's important that you speak to your GP to see if there is an underlying issue. Harrison says you should speak to your doctor if the sound is pulsating or only in one ear. Further testing such as head imaging with MRI or CT scan may be required to identify the cause. O'Flynn adds you should consult your GP if the tinnitus is making you feel anxious, coming on more regularly or getting worse. Continuing on with this story, how is tinnitus treated? It's necessary to consult a professional to determine if the tinnitus is caused by an underlying medical issue. If so, simple treatment could help, such as earwax removal, or you may be prescribed medication if there's an infection, Ashraf says. If there's no discernible cause, treatment will focus on symptom relief and management. There are ways you can help improve your symptoms, including finding ways to improve your sleep and avoiding triggers that make your tinnitus worse, such as stress or loud noises, says O'Flynn. A hearing aid or tinnitus masker may be appropriate. Occasionally, sound therapy, cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, or tinnitus retraining therapy, TRT, which aims to help retrain how your brain responds to tinnitus, may be helpful. Is it possible to prevent tinnitus? Well, one of the best ways to prevent the onset of tinnitus is to protect your hearing, says Ashraf. If you're doing something that involves exposure to loud noise, even if it's only for a few minutes, it's best to wear protection, says Ashraf. Harrison advises caution wearing headphones as well. To stay safe, you should never listen to your music above 60% volume and you should also give your ears a break every hour too. The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are John Doolan, known as Jock, aged 69 years. Margaret Mary Holden, known as Maggie, aged 94. Pamela Quinn, aged 86. And Hilda Ethel Sloggett, aged 94 years. May they all rest in peace. What's on? In the theatre. The Lost Spells is on at the Watford Palace Theatre from March the 28th to April the 8th. 
The new epic musical is adapted from the best-selling book by writer Robert McFarlane and artist Jackie Morris. A girl with no name finds a magical book of spells that conjures up a wild world. Moths appear from nowhere, owls light up in the dark, and a red fox leads the way down a rabbit hole to a brand new wonderland. On her journey, she meets a host of wonderful characters on a fantastical adventure. She learns the dandelion time, meets a boy who turns into a seal, flies with a band of jackdaws and battles with conquers on a quest to find that which was once lost. Audiences are promised a fun, wild and boisterous adventure. Ideal for ages six and above, visit watfordpalacetheatre.co.uk or call 01923-225-671 to book. In Women's History Month 2023, a fantastical, heart-catching, time-travelling tale of female experiences and women takes flight. The fabulous new play, Nothing on Earth, written by Hertfordshire-based playwright Anna Reynolds, along with free singing workshops, comes to the Old Town Hall on Wednesday 29th of March at 7.30pm. Sunday the 2nd of April 2023 at 7.30pm, a Palm Sunday concert. The Chilton Chamber Choir returned to St Peter's Church on Palm Sunday for a performance of Ein Deutscher Requiem, a German Requiem, by Brahms and Parry's Songs of Farewell. This glorious programme will be their first concert under the baton of their new musical director, Callum Zuckert, who has taken over from Adrian Davis. Tickets are £18 in advance, £20 on the door, under 18s free, available from Brown and Merry estate agents or online at thelittleboxoffice.com. On Friday the 7th of April 2023 at 7pm, there will be a Good Friday Sacred Concert as part of Holy Week commemorations. St Peter's Church Choir will sing in a performance of John Stainer's Crucifixion. This sacred oratorio, composed in 1887, is subtitled A Meditation on the Sacred Passion of the Holy Redeemer and focuses on the passion and death of Jesus in a series of moving solos, choruses and hymns. The work concludes with one of Stainer's best-known hymns, All for Jesus, All for Jesus. Entry is free with the retiring collection. And now, a sad message from Community Action Decorum. At the beginning of March, one of our minibuses was stolen from its parking place and damaged beyond repair. The thieves set fire to the bus, having stolen any items they could sell, meaning we have no bus to use for the foreseeable future. This particular minibus was used to take people living in Hemel, Kings Langley and Bovingdon shopping on a Monday and Friday morning, as well as by other elderly and church groups. 
At the weekends, it was used by community groups to take children to football matches and other activities. Whilst the insurance will replace some of the value, sadly alone, the insurance will not allow us to replace the, this bus with a replacement that is as modern nor as well equipped, restricting the use of the bus to those who are more mobile. We are crowdfunding to replace the stolen minibus. Can you or your company help? Any contribution, large or small, will be hugely appreciated. If you can help, go to crowdfunder.co.uk slash p slash minibus hyphen capital hyphen fundraising. And now football. Hemel Hempstead Town thoroughly deserved to leave a rainy Somerset with all three points from a 2-1 win at Taunton Town on Saturday, but it could and probably should have been a far more convincing scoreline than it was, writes Alan Mitchell. Hemel had already had two good chances before they took the lead on 13 minutes when the lively Charlie Hughes latched onto a through ball that a Taunton defender completely misjudged, allowing the Tudors' front man a clear run on goal and he tucked the ball home. The lead was doubled when Josh Williams' corner was returned to him on the edge of the box via a poor clearance and the Tudors' fullback wasted no time in curling it straight into the corner of the net. Dylan Morgan reduced the arrears for Taunton in the second half, but the damage was done. Hemel are seven points off the playoff places and now prepare to host Concord Rangers on Saturday. The beautiful game, as coined by Brazilian football legend Pele, is the most popular sport in the world. No wonder then that there are thousands of questions each day relating to the 11-a-side code, with a worldwide estimate of 1.5 billion football fans watching Argentina beat France in the 2022 World Cup final, it's clear that football is amongst the most popular pastimes across the globe. That being said, not all of us know in detail the beautiful game, so that experts at seatpick.com decided to test this by using Google search volumes to see what the most searched football-related questions were in the UK and Europe, along with what the most searched question overall was. Here are the top 10 most searched football questions in the UK, followed by the number of average monthly searches. 1. How long is half-time in football? 7,700. 2. Who is the best football player in the world? 7,300. 3. Who invented football? 5,400. 4. How long is a football pitch? 3,800. How long is extra time in football? 2,600. 6. What is offside? 1,700. 7. How many players are in a football team? 1,000. 8. How often can you make substitutions in football? 
700. 9. What's a hat trick in football? 350. 10. What year was football founded? 250. As the list shows, the most searched question in the UK was how long is half-time in football with an estimated 7,700 search volumes per month? With the small break being the moment most fans use to go to the bathroom or grab a drink, it's not no surprise that many want to know how much time they have to do so. The answer, of course, is 15 minutes. Second in the rankings is who's the best football player in the world? With 7,300 searches a month, there's a divide in this one. Many fans will say it's Argentine hero Lionel Messi, while others will say it's Portuguese icon Cristiano Ronaldo, and some may have an entirely different answer. No wonder it's the second most popular football question in the UK. The third place with 5,400 Google searches is who invented football? The sport as we know it today was founded by the Football Association in 1863, but the earliest form of football was called Kuju, originating in China around 206 BC. Ancient Greece also had a similar game called Epikairos, but players were allowed to use their hands, a rule not used in Kuju or modern football. And the least searched football question in the UK is, trailing at the bottom of the top 10 is, what year was football founded? With an estimated 250 searches per month. A popular question in pub quiz rounds, though it's unclear whether it refers to modern football or its Chinese origins. We're now coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for Saturday are 0.54 and 18.23. Don't forget the clocks go forwards overnight on Saturday and Sunday. So on Sunday, sunrise time is 06.52 and sunset 19.25. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part could be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Please Remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly. Turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail postbox. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. 
Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers and from Jake, your technician for this week. Goodbye. <laughs>